does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake, I'm not sure if you saw this um, earlier in the week from our next guest, but Greg Gregstraw is going to join us here, ISC Sports Network. And I want to say the Indy Star had an article on a couple that is trying to go to every Indiana high school basketball gym. Did you see I that? I saw that, yep. How many do you think Rake has been to? How many are there total? I know he knows, but how many are there total? Well, l- let's ask him because I don't... I, I, I don't, would bet I you that he has been to... I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to say he's been to 85%. Greg Gregstraw, how many Indian high school basketball gyms are there? Not as many. Well, there's about 400, basically, uh, is what you're looking at. There's okay. 410 members, and not everybody has their own. The vast majority do. I've got two separate lists going. So the gym count is not as large as you would think. I've been to 124... But I have, a, I have another list that I've been maintaining for years, and that is I've had some official responsibilities for a game involving this. In other words, I played against them all those years ago. I have done an event from their facility, or I have had them in a game. That number is 274. 274. So, so in other words... You're including schools like if you go to the Wig, well, the Wigwam no longer, but if you go to North Central and they play, you know, insert name, whatever, Gary Roosevelt. Correct. You Correct. you are counting Gary Roosevelt, even though you've not been to Gary Roosevelt's gym. Correct. I have had them in some official capacity. Again, right. I, I was not just there as a fan. I was either an athlete in the game or I was working the game on radio or television. I think if I'm not mistaken, you've got Addicts and Ben Davis coming up. Is that tomorrow night? I've got Ben Davis both nights this week. So they've got Carmel. Uh, and uh, Carmel ended an undefeated Ben Davis season 29 years ago. Uh, trying to do the same thing. They just knocked off number three Brownsburg on Saturday. And then tomorrow night, Addicts as the surprise winners of the city tournament. Uh, taking on the county champs. Yeah, beating my uh, Irish. Ben Davis. So. I, w- I was curious about, like, and that's just naturally how the schedule evolved, of course. Like, this is not the city champion playing the county champ. Correct. What if you you did that, like, on Wednesday of this past week, Rake? You know, the city title is Monday. I guess, what was Marion County last Saturday, though? Correct. Marion County would have been January 14th. Okay, so, wow, it would have been a couple weeks ago. You think we would ever, yeah. I, I, I get, obviously, it's different, you know, governing bodies. It sounds way too hierarchy of a term but would we ever get like hey city champ plays the county champ you know the wednesday after the city tournament or sure something? the fact that it, it, the, the teams seemingly the pool of teams that's going to win the city tournament is smaller than those that win the county tournament but let's face it cathedral's in the championship most every year it's kind of been a rotating you know is tech the best city team or is addicts the best city team you know for a while you know how it would have been in that group um, you know, for a brief period of time, Cecina, you know, would have been in the conversation. And so because of that, like, for example, Cathedral and Ben Davis play each other every year. That game was actually moved up. Usually it's in February. That game was moved to December to be a part of the Forum Tip-Off Classic this year. Uh, and so because of the fact that normally the teams that are going to win the county are probably going to play the teams that win the city anyway, 
in their regular season schedule, or as has been the case many times in the last several years, they're in the same sectional, like Cathedral and Tech, both being in the same sectional as both Lawrence North, North Central, etc. Because those games already likely happen, my answer would be probably not. Greg, do you believe Greg Rakestra is our guest? He's on the Payless Liggers Hotline. Of course, you can see and hear him on the ISC Sports Network talking high school basketball among the other responsibilities he has. That includes being the post-game host for the Colts Radio Network. When Dan Quinn announced that he was going to stay at his current position and not seek the head coaching opportunities for which he had interviewed, which included the Indianapolis Colts, and that he was going to stay in Dallas. Do you think the Colts saw that as a colossal disappointment, or do you think the Colts saw that as an ease of pressure of a name they could check off the list? Maybe somewhere in the middle. Um, just because, again, I, I, I think that I think they're still leaning towards an offensive-minded guy, knowing what draft pick you have at number four and if you feel the need to move up to, to go get a quarterback that you need. Uh, for Even though Dan is an experienced head coach, done a really good job in Dallas is amongst the hot candidates if you're going to go the defensive minded route in previous head coach you've already got a guy like that in your candidate pool in Raheem Morris so I'm sure they're disappointed in anyone that wanted to say that, that they thought had a second interview that ends up not coming and taking the job but is that one less name before an eventual handing of the throne to Jeff Saturday I don't think I'm ready to go that far just yet, Jake. On that Jeff Saturday front, and again, Greg Rakestraw joins us, as Jake said, the Colts postgame show host. You also hear him on preseason TV. Rake, I'm not going to act like it is at this level or it would be premature to act like it would be on this level, but I would say the biggest issue in the breaking up of the previous era was dysfunction between Ryan Grigson and Chuck Pagano, GM and head coach. Yep. Should that be a worry at all for Jim Irsay if Jeff Saturday is the hire? Yes, it should be. I mean, because it's it's not the first time it's happened. I mean, now the other the other time it happened, you know, the the end result was pretty good. But you know, Jake can give you chapter and verse on talking to Jim Mora. And remember, you know, there was a split between Bill Polian and 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 Jim. Obviously, whether Vic Fangio should be retained or not was kind of the ultimate driving factor there. But there was division between the head coach and the GM. And again, it was the general manager uh, that was picked in that case. And it probably worked out better that, that that was the way that it went. It went the opposite way in 2016, you know, between Griggs and Chuck Pagano. So having everybody sing, you know, sing from the same hymnal is kind of a big deal. In other words, if you think enough of Chris Ballard to continue to let him be your team's general manager, you you go with his opinion on whom the next head coach is going to be. If you disagree with that, then you should have done something different with Chris Ballard about three or four weeks ago. Rick, has anything surprised you about how the last couple of weeks have unfolded with this search? Whether you know maybe the lack of a Sean Payton or Jim Harbaugh, no college coaches, the amount of candidates, uh, head coaching experience doesn't seem to be a huge requisite. Anything surprise you? Maybe just the sheer tonnage of interviews they have done. I appreciate them being thorough. I appreciate them taking their time. It is still a laundry list of people they have talked with about the job. So while I don't disagree with the methodology, it is still eye-popping that it's been, you know, what, 13 different people seemingly have had a conversation about this job. And Greg, 
I don't want to be the bad guy here, but I have been from time to time. I I get it. They're being thorough, and I get it. But in a world where people's attention span is that of a gnat, are, do you think that – and it shouldn't matter, I guess, but do you think that, that the fan base, the, or maybe even either coaches, other coaches, are just kind of exhausted by the length and the, the updates of all of it from the get-go? No. I mean, I, I think part of that is just kind of a way that a business is done. It keeps you in the news cycle, um, frankly. Um, but, but I thought the main reason why this is being drawn out uh, is, is, is that reason. I really think it's a, it's, it's a game of, of poker or, or a game of chess and you're waiting for other moves to kind of come off the board. Obviously, we saw one yesterday with Frank getting the job in Carolina, but it's not like the Colts are the only team that's in this boat that are waiting to see whom their next head coach is going to be. Seemingly, everybody's kind of waiting for everybody else to make a move, and then once a certain name comes off the board, I expect a lot of dominoes to fall. So I think that's been the biggest, the biggest reason why this has been a slow-moving process is that it's been the same for everyone at this point. Greg, Greg Straw is with us tonight. Ben Davis and Carmel. Tomorrow, Ben Davis and Addicts. Um, Rick, kind of the news on more of a, a baseball fandom standpoint, but obviously ties to the state. Scott Rowland going to the Baseball Hall of Fame earlier this week. How old were you when Rowland was at Jasper? He is basically what? What year graduate was he at Jasper? It's like ninety two, ninety three, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, yes. That makes that makes him all of one year older. And while we played high school baseball almost simultaneously, believe me, me and my guys at Lanesville were not exactly in Jasper's orbit back in nineteen ninety three. Do you recall him at all as a basketball player? Barely. Like so. Like for example, Matt Mock, who obviously sure. made it to both the National Football League and and, and Major League Baseball. He's LSU. Like Made Myers. Um, he, Matt was younger than me. I actually broadcast uh, one of Matt's basketball games because he played with Michael Lewis when they made the semi-state in 96. I did, I did a regional game against North Harrison at the Hatchet House that they played in. So, so you know, I wouldn't have played against against Roland, but you growing up 45 miles away, believe me, you knew how good Jasper baseball was. And, and when I was in high school, we were right about a 500 team. The, the larger schools that we were concerned with were New Albany and Floyd Central and trying to find a way to get past them in the sectional. Um, and we, we never did. <laughs> came close my freshman year to New Albany. That's about as close as we came to getting out of the sectional. So, you know, you knew about Scott Rowland, but I never had the chance to convince him or anything like that. Obviously, I'll tap into both of your minds for, for this one. But, I mean, and you're talking about great, great dual sport athletes from an Indiana high school standpoint in our state. Roland, I mean Joe Wrights, David Bell, who else am I forgetting? Stacy Turan, Clayton Richard, probably. Tim Stoddard, um, because he played at NC State and played in, in, in the, on the national team, and then went to play in Major League Baseball. Um, Stacy Turan, from, from, from a high school standpoint, uh, because he went the minor league route and never made it out of minor league baseball. But as a high school athlete, Kelsey Mucker was basically All-State in three different sports. Yeah, what happened to him? He got drafted by the Twins, right? Twins. And I think they never made him a double-A. I think he's a scout now. But he was an Indiana All-Star in basketball, All-State-level football player, and went to go play minor league baseball. Okay, I'll go with the following. Stacey Turan, and I'll go older here. Stacey sure, Turan, Cam Cameron, um, Gary Thurman comes to mind, who was 
could have played Division One quarterback at Miami of Florida and signed with the Kansas City Royals out of high school. Um, those are the three that come to mind. And then did we mention David Bell already? Yeah, yeah, mentioned yeah, Bell. Did, did Banks of the, of the more modern versions? Juan Jones and Darius Latham were both guys that were Indiana All Stars and went and played football. And Darius briefly made in the National Football League. Um, and then Dewan, I expect to be a very high draft pick yeah. in this year's NFL draft. How about Kawan Short being an Indiana All Star? Wasn't Kawan Short on a state championship basketball team, and yeah. then also played Great in the league? Great player at Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, correct. He was he was the leading scorer or third with Etwan Moore, and then Angel Garcia went on to play at Memphis. Yeah, I'd throw Jeff Samarge's name on there. Dustin Keller. Sure. What, what what was that basketball for Keller? Do you recall that one along he with Austin? I remember Dust as a football player, but he may have been a pretty good basketball player too. Kenny Lofton. Whew. Sure. Good one. East Chicago Central. Very good one. You got anything else left for uh, Rake, Jake? It looks like our uh, our mid-majors in the state are taking a step back. Uh, oh, the, what I wanted to ask you, Rake, was about Mike Davis's son. Um, yep. You saw him over the weekend, right? Correct. I have seen – he has had six 40-point performances in his four-and-a-half-year career, five-year career – Two of them have been in the Indiana Farmers Coliseum against IUPUI. He had 43 the last game of the regular season, February of 2020, and then he had 42 to then move into second place in Division One scoring history, and now is about 400 back of Pete Maravich. I don't know what he scored on Monday against Oakland because they went it, they played again, and then they would have played last night, I believe. I'm not sure what he had. But it is it is possible, be difficult. It is possible he can catch Maravich by the end of the year. What's his game like? Just like six one, six two, shooter score? Is he attacking the rim? What, what what's his game like? Well, he is listed at six one. I think he's closer to five eleven, um, and he is probably a buck fifty soaking wet. Because of that, I don't know if he has an NBA future. He's just not. I don't know how much weight he can be putting on either. Um, I think he's a guy that if he wants to do this, he is going to Europe and he's making good money over there. And he's kind of a la a David Logan, to reference a North Central Panther for Jake and a UND Greyhound for me. Um, David's, what, 16, 17 years removed from UND and still playing over in Europe. I think Antoine is probably that level of player. Um, let's mention the obvious two asterisks between he and Pete Maravich, all right? Antoine is going to play the equivalent of basically four and a half years. They've missed like 15 games due to COVID and things like that during his five-year run. But he's been a part of five seasons. And obviously, Pete played three, and there was no three-point line when Pete played. Just the fact that anybody's even in the conversation with, with, with Antoine. I mean, Antoine has scored the most points anybody has in 44 years in college basketball, let alone 53 years going back to Maravich. That's insane that we're even talking about this. But he is a wonderful scorer of the basketball, great shooter, great about creating space, being a bit undersized. Maybe he gets a look from an NBA team. I think really Europe is where he ends up. Uh, he played their their game after IPOI was against Oakland, right, Greg? Uh, Correct, Monday. He had 14. He was 3 of 16 Ooh. from the floor. Why could he never do that against IUPUI? <laughs> it would be nice if I saw one of those games one time. Rake's got a lot of Ben Davis on his plate this weekend, Friday and Saturday. Tonight, it's Carmel. Tomorrow, Attucks in a county city title matchup. Greg, have a great weekend, man. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Thanks, fellas. Hey, Jim says, I would assume Jeff Saturday's coaches of coordinators are presently employed with other teams, so Jeff and his agent cannot let those names leak. Uh, I'm not... I, I don't know. Tell me if you agree with this. Uh, Jeff Saturday in a second interview would have had to tell the Colts who his staff was going to be. Oh, without question. I mean, hell, he needs to do that on his first interview. Think so? Yeah, you got to present your grand vision. Uh, I guess. First I interview that- is about getting to know all the other candidates. You know Jeff Saturday. You want to know what this grand vision is. But, but you know is saturday saturday's got to know who the colts maybe he just says names that he thinks the colts would want to hear i you know but i, I don't, don't think, think jeff says, saturday was spending too much time on the rushing yards per game and the first quarter leads on the resume i don't think that would have gone very far i think you would need to quickly get to your organization is in utter dysfunction this is my grand vision and these are the people that i'm bringing in here i would be to curious that. to know who he would say as offensive coordinator who would your guess be? Dan Orlovsky. You really do think so? Hell, I think Orlovsky was tweeting about it yesterday. Mentioned that he'd bring Wentz back. Scary thought to start your Friday morning. Uh, Ken wanted to talk about the relationship between the powers that be inside the Colts organization. Ken, good Friday morning to you. Hey, good morning, guys. How are y'all doing today? Splendid yourself. Oh, fantastic! Getting ready for a big day of work. So, hey, at least at least the sun's shining. <laughs> but it's Friday and the sun's shining. Yes, cold as all get out out here. But <laughs> I, you know, my I, the whole last year just keeps replaying in my mind, and I go back to when you guys were really talking about to Ballard last year in press conferences about. Our offensive line, our wide receivers, trying to get, you know, ask him what he was going to do about it. He told him, you you all needed to back off kind of heatedly and that he knew how to do his job. (laughs) At the end of the season, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard get their asses handed to him uh, by Ursay. And I just wonder how much of that really played out throughout this season. Because Frank did not look like the same coach that he had been the year before. And the play calling was probably the worst I've ever seen in my life. So, you just wonder how much damage had been done um, with some of those meetings with Ursay. I think, here's what I think happened. Thanks, Ken. Ken, I appreciate it. I think this is what happened. Kevin, you feel free to tell me if you disagree with this. I think that the Colts had some serious internal disciplinary and maturity problems. And they had players that were missing curfew, not doing some of the things that needed to be done, not focused into the point where you would most want it. And Jim Irsay felt like that was an indictment on Frank Reich and that Reich had lost the locker room and that there was no accountability from the coaching position. So they made a change. They brought in Jeff Saturday. Saturday tried his darndest to instill that 
via fines, suspensions, and even release of players, and the results still never changed, at which point that then shifted perhaps a little bit of the focus towards is it actually the problem of how the roster was built or the judgment of the character of the people that we're bringing in. And they won't know that for certain until they get a full-time coach in there that can then fully give them the barometer to assess that. And by that, I mean then evaluating Chris Ballard. Yeah, I think a big mistake that Jim Mercer has made here in his evaluation, 2022 Colts, is thinking that the roster is a lot better than it is. I think he said that that Monday night in November when Frank Reich was fired and Chris Bauer and Jeff Saturday were up there. I think he believes the personnel is in much better shape. And I know we've touched on it here and there throughout the week. Look at these final four teams. Look at the skill positions that these final four teams, all of them are infinitely better than the Colts. Better, deeper, more versatile, more potent, dynamic, whatever word you want to use. Um, The Colts offensively were one of the worst units you've seen in the NFL in years. And it was because your quarterback didn't support you and you didn't support your quarterback. The Colts have tried to skate by, particularly at wide receiver and tight end. And then obviously offensive line rose up a little bit. But, you know, even a little bit of running back, you know, when you see these teams, there's multiple guys that they throw at you. I mean, the Naheem Hines saying didn't work out and his usage. And to Ken's point, I think that was very odd to me. Um when Jonathan Taylor went down, it was just kind of a patchwork group of you don't really have dynamic threats out of the backfield as receivers. I think that is an issue too. So I, I think it's a mistake that Ursay doesn't view personnel as more of a serious issue. Here's an interesting question that, that I was just asked, and I don't want to um, sound like a jerk in my response because I'm going to be emphatic about this response. And I understand the question. I do. I appreciate it and I respect it. Jake, what if Jeff Saturday is dropping Peyton Manning as a possible coach slash consultant? Zero chance. And the reason I say that, I I shouldn't say zero. We don't know behind closed doors what may be discussed. But number one, as I've mentioned before, if you look at what has happened to to Jeff Saturday's image and or legacy in Indianapolis within the Colts fan base in the last four months, then you see, number one, Peyton Manning, who is the most conscientious of his image with a fan base of any athlete I have ever seen. That's reason number one why Peyton Manning, I'm sure, has no interest in coaching for the Colts. Number two, if if Peyton Manning was going to coach for the Colts, it's going to be as the head coach. Number three, if Peyton Manning is going to be a consultant, he's not going to be a consultant. He's going to be in the front office running the entire show. And number four, and most importantly, Peyton Manning's got a pretty cush life right now. He's doing what he wants to do. He's having fun with the Omaha Productions. He's doing the Manning cast. He's He is able to – Peyton Manning has options. Not that Jeff Saturday didn't, who does a great job at ESPN, but Peyton Manning has options. And so I, I'm just telling you, Peyton Manning is not going to come to Indianapolis to be standing on the sidelines with a headset working with Jeff Saturday. If Peyton Manning is ever going to work in the NFL, Jake, for a team, he's going to do it with ownership stake, and he's going to do it as team president. Correct. Could never see him coaching. Let's sneak Ray in before we get to George Bremer. What's up, Ray? 
Hey, Kevin, how are you? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm doing great, thanks. Hey, uh, quick question. You've been on the inside a little bit. Is there an establishment in the NFL like Cower and the guys that came out so angry against the uh, Saturday hiring, and because of that, is that keeping a lot of the top-level coaches from showing an interest in Indiana? In- in uh, Indianapolis? Yeah, that's a fair question. Um, I, I think there is a lot of anger towards the Colts and Jim Mersey and how they've handled it. Again, Jake, at the end of the day, there's just 32 of these. Right. So I don't want to act like everyone's going to be all high and mighty and, oh, we got to stick with the fraternity and, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I do think the con list for taking the job here is probably a little bit longer than it is in other places of these five openings right now. Um, And I would say that is one of the reasons. I don't think it's incredibly high on the list, um, but I do think if you're weighing two openings, it could be a reason why you would all, you know, want to go down the other path than come here to Indianapolis. Carolina and Arizona right now, I mean, Carolina just made a hire, obviously. Arizona is a better job than the Colts for this reason. It's in the NFC. I mean, to begin with, let's just start there. It's in the NFC. You're not having to go through Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. That's a good point. Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes to get to the Super Bowl. Like, it's a bit of a golden age for quarterbacks in the AFC, Jake. Unbelievable. But it's the 20-year-old golden age. Not the 30-year-olds like you had with Manning, Brady, Roethlisberger, Rivers. That's the... Scary aspect to it all. Speaking of that golden age, we'll talk some conference championships coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Give out our picks to round out the show. George Bremer joins us next from the Anderson Harrow Bolton to chat about. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Colts. It is 9 o'clock in Indianapolis. Technically speaking, it's 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query, Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program, Mark Dykton. Manning the controls for us. It's Kevin and Query on 93.5107.5 The Fan. Joining us now on, on. the Payless Sigurds Hotline. What are you yelling at me, Mark? What, what, what I had to call him back. It was very staticky. I'm calling him back. <laughs> Kevin, that was a that was that might be the best intro I've had all no, week. No, that was smooth delivery, everything. Nine o'clock on a Friday, but yeah, <laughs> I, Mark, Mark. I waited literally. I, I thought Mark, Mark did announce. I'm gonna do. call him back because of the static. <laughs> we work 15 hours a week together. I waited until hour 15 to really nail it. Right? Do you want to restart that? Thanks. Yeah, sure. That's not a bad idea. No? From the top, please. Okay. 
Uh, 9 o'clock hour in Indianapolis. How are you? Technically speaking, it's 9 o'clock everywhere in the Eastern Time Zone. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear on this program. Mark Dykton is um, just kind of abruptly jerking the wheel and hitting the brake pedal for us while manning the controls. Terminology, (laughs) please. Well, I said the wheel, Mark. Uh, Joining us now on the Payless Sugars Hotline, and I'm sure thrilled to be doing so, uh, George Bremer joins us. I always get confused if it's the Anderson Herald Bulletin or Bulletin Herald. Harold Bolton. Harold Bolton. Right, George? Right, Harold Bolton. Okay. Got it. Got it. I always refer to George as the most sane member by the of the way, beat, by the way. By the way, uh, Anderson High School tonight, they need somebody to do the public address for the JV and varsity basketball games. It is a paid gig. Oh, look at uh, that. George, if you'd like to do it, send me a text. Or if anybody else would like to, they know my telephone number, send me a text and... Uh, we will get you up to doing the game tonight for Anderson basketball. George, uh, your opinion right now, The I'll go two. In your opinion, the two front runners for the Colts head coaching job are who? Well, I mean, one of them's got to be Jeff Saturday. We all know that. Um, when, the, when the owner's in your corner, you know, it's a pretty good, pretty good weapon to have. Uh, outside of that, it's really hard to say. It, it's been such – there's been so much – of a lockdown right now on this search. I mean, I don't think Chris Ballard has let anything out on his end. I'm the only other name that I've really heard uh, at all, as far as, you know, interviewing well and, and them having a lot of interest in is Raheem Morris. So I'll go with him right now. I'll go with Saturday and Morris. George, what about this weekend? Names that you're curious about. Again, D'Amico Ryans from San Francisco. We know that he can't talk with the Colts. He has not yet talked with the Colts, Um but he can't until their season's over. So if you want interest in D'Amico Ryan's cheer for the Eagles, uh, Eagles offense coordinator Shane Steichen, Bengals OC Brian Callahan, Kansas City OC Eric Bieniemy. who intrigues you out of those four? Yeah, I think Callahan, you know, his history with quarterbacks has been well documented. I think a lot of people have talked a lot about that since he's kind of come on the radar. I was surprised he didn't get more interest than he did. You know, the fact that the Colts are really the only head coach interview he got, it was a little bit surprising to me. Um, His dad was an offensive line coach, still is an offensive line coach in the NFL. Uh, I think that is an interesting element for him given, you know, the importance of improving that unit here in, in Indy. I think he would be in a unique position to, to kind of affect the offense as a whole, you know, not just bring, you know, grooming a young quarterback and, and kind of getting him up in, in the swing, but also, you know, really understanding that, that un- offensive line element. Uh, the other guy's the enemy just because it's been real quiet. I mean, we didn't even know he was interviewing. He was one of the guys that uh, the, the Jim Irsay tweet was the first time that, you know, we knew they had requested him. Uh, and you haven't heard a whole lot since. But in the last day or two, there's really been a lot more reporting that he's a serious contender here. And obviously the enemy's been a head coaching candidate now since, I think, 2019. Uh, so he's another guy. The work that he's done out there with Patrick Mahomes, it would be interesting to see him paired with a rookie quarterback. Let's stay there for a second. And George Bremer, who covers the Colts from the Anderson Hair Bolts and is with us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Um, if I'm looking for Chris Ballard connections with these candidates, you could point to Dan Quinn, probably a little bit more of an Ed Dodds connection, who's the right hand man to Chris Ballard. But I think Dan Quinn would have been one of those guys, but we know he no longer is interested. The two that I would put most of having background with Ballard would be the name you just brought up, Eric Bienemy. And also Rich Passaccia, 
the special teams coordinator in Green Bay. Most recently before that, the interim with the Raiders. There's Raiders connections on the Colts staff. There's a Rod Marinelli connection that Chris Boward is very, very close with. So Biennemi and Basaccia, should we be putting a little bit more stock maybe into those names, George, if we're trying to find the Ballard-specific connection? I mean, you know that he's got more of an opportunity to do his homework, to get all the info he needs on those two guys than, than probably anybody else in the search. You know, I mean, he, like you mentioned, you, you got Rod Marinelli, who he respects as well as anybody in the league, uh, who he can call right now and, and learn anything he needs to learn about Basaccia, not to mention his entire defensive staff, right, who were there with him uh, last year in Vegas when, when they made that amazing run and, and almost or did make the playoffs. I think Versace is the, the only interim coach ever to, to do that, uh, to make playoffs during his reign. So, uh, you know, I, I think he's kind of a, a stealth candidate here. And then the enemy, um, you know, if there is anybody that, that Ballard respects more than Rod Marinelli, it, it might be Andy Reid. And so I would imagine any question he has about why the enemy hasn't gotten a job before this and what his real duties are over there, Chris Ballard's going to have that info from probably several angles. So I think that always helps, right? I mean, the better you know a candidate, the more comfortable you are uh, in bringing them in and, and making the hire. George Bremer is our guest. He's on the Payless Stickers Hotline. He is with CNHI Sports Indiana. Technically speaking, he's the executive editor, but also the Colts beat writer and editor for the Herald Bulletin in Anderson. George, is there any way... Anyway, the Colts go anywhere but quarterback in the draft. And if so, is that because they're going to do another run at a veteran quarterback? It's hard to imagine them going down that road again. But after the season that we just went through and all of us witnessed, I'm not going to say never on anything. I think we've seen you know, that all options are on the table. But after the the way this carousel has spun, and I know you're going to hear Aaron Rodgers' name and Derek Carr's name and maybe Lamar Jackson. We'll see how all that plays out in Baltimore. But uh, outside of Jackson, who, who's really still a very young quarterback, and you could make a really good case that, that he would be here for 10 to 12 years, their their goal has got to be to, to, to get off this ride. I mean, I think more than anything else – outside of the head coach situation this offseason. And really, Chris Ballard made reference to it in that postseason uh, presser that, that he did. That, you know, if there's one thing that he really regrets, it's it's not being able to kind of solidify this quarterback spot and, and really kind of let this team start moving forward in one direction. Um, but, you know, I, we also know that he's a guy that, that's very – strong in his convictions and so if there's not a quarterback out there in this draft that he feels like is either a worth trading up for or b you know worth that number four overall pick we know that he will go in a different direction and and he will stay with you know what he believes in in his evaluations george bremer's with us again the most sane member of the colts beat um, is how I refer to George. Appreciate his time here on this Friday morning. George, I want to go back to Biennemi for a second here and think, you know what? The Colts have interviewed a lot of candidates. Could they hire a couple of these candidates? One to be the head coach, of course, and what about a coordinator? 
Um, honestly, Ajero Evero would fall into that group as well. Could he be a defensive coordinator candidate here if you hire more of an offensive-minded head coach? But focus on enemy. there's some reason why he's not getting a job. And I would say part of that is because people look at him in Kansas City and think, oh, that's all Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Would he want to leave there, get a chance to run the offensive show? Like, let's say they hire Raheem Morris or Evero as their defensive coordinator, and they need more of an offensive guy, kind of the opposite of what Matt Eberflus was for Frank Reich. Could enemy be in play as an offensive coordinator and saying, I've got to get out of Kansas City to further my or build my resume more to be an attractive head coaching candidate. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I'd say if I'm the most sane member of the beat, it's really kind of scary yeah, for our beat. That's probably a fair uh, bet. <laughs> but uh, absolutely, I, I think that, that you could see them hire multiple guys out of, out of this cycle. I mean, I think it's part of the reason that the, the net is so wide. You're trying to, to get a lot of ideas from guys who have done good things in this league. You know, I, I think you've seen teams, not to this extent, but you've seen teams do that every offseason bring in uh, some coaches just with the idea of picking their brain and finding out, you know, how they do the things that they do. Uh, but the enemy is taking some other offensive coordinator interviews. I know around the league. He's, yeah, he's Tennessee. The I saw. Yeah. Tennessee. I think Washington. Um, there, I thought there's at least three that, that he's in the mix for. So I think it comes down to exactly what you were talking about with him. You know, people look at, at his candidacy over the years, they look at what Andy Reid's done. They look at how unique Patrick Mahomes is. And I think there is benefit in on the enemy side in getting away from that situation, calling his own offense, doing it in another town, doing it for another franchise. Uh, and, and that might boost his candidacy down the road. I think he would definitely be interested uh, in the right situation in doing that. And his contract's up in Kansas City. I think that's a, another unique I uh, think for him, you know, this this is it for him as far as his deal goes. He's a free agent uh, as soon as their season ends. So, you know, I think he's definitely in play. I would think Evero is, as you mentioned, he's a really young coach. I think this is his first year as a coordinator. Uh, obviously, Denver's going through a, a staff change there. And if recent reports are true and D'Amico Ryans is sort of emerging as the favorite out there, maybe he's going to want to move on as well and not necessarily run the defense for a defensive head coach. Uh, and then I think Basachi is on that list as well. You know, I, I don't know uh, what his status is right now in Green Bay, but, you know, he's another guy that you would think you would have interest in if he has interest in, in, in moving over, uh, you know, to run the special teams if they're not able to retain Bubba Ventrell. George Brimmer is our guest. George, is it possible, Kevin and I have talked about this. I mean, I've brought this up a couple times this week, so I want your perspective on it. Um, is it in any way, shape, or form possible that Jeff Saturday was brought in in his interim stint under a different criteria than most coaches and that, in fact, Jim Irsay may have been sold on a job that Jeff Saturday was doing because it came with different expectation than simply wins and losses despite Saturday saying it's a wins and losses game? I mean, anything's possible, and, and that was such an odd hiring to begin with. I mean, I, I don't think we've ever seen anything like it in the modern NFL era where, where you brought in somebody midseason who wasn't with the team you know, in training camp, who hadn't been around the franchise like on a daily basis uh, in, what, 
10, 11 years at the time that he came in, uh, walked into the door. I know he was a consultant, but it's not like he was at practice, uh, in the building, you know, making decisions on a daily basis. Uh, and coming out of the TV booth like that, I, it's just never been done before. Um, I, I just think the only, the only thing that gives me pause that, that the win-loss record wasn't a big part of it was just how giddy Jim Mercy was at, at that introductory press conference. I mean, he really believed that, that Saturday had a chance to turn that season around, and, and he was selling that, uh, you know, full go. Now, were there other elements involved in that, too? Was it, you know, hey, the, the best possible outcome is that this is a Rich Bisaccia situation and, and, and you lead the Colts to the playoffs? And, you know, that, that's the, the number one goal. But were there other, uh, you know, criteria in there? I think that's certainly possible. It's at GM Bremer, B-R-E-M-E-R on Twitter. George Bremer covers the Colts for the Anderson Harrow Bolts and is with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. George Shifton gears to Frank Reich in Carolina. Uh, let's say Carolina Radio, you know, calls you up today and wants to get your insight on Frank Reich. Um the biggest selling point you would make to encourage Panthers fans and then maybe the biggest question you would have about Frank Wright getting another chance? Yeah, I think the biggest selling point for him is just sort of the, the way that he was able to steer the ship through, you know, stormy waters. Some of the things that, that he dealt with here, the Andrew Luck retirement, obviously uh, an unprecedented situation. Uh, you know, people tend, tend to forget uh, just you know, wasn't just the quarterback carousel. There, there was a lot of upheaval uh, throughout the entire time of the year. It felt like almost every year that he was here, there, there was some sort of crisis or off the field situation going on that, that they had to look into. Uh, I think Edwin Jackson. He walked into the building right after uh, you know Edwin Jackson had died on on Super Bowl Sunday, I believe. Uh, just things that that head coaches in general don't have to deal with, you know, in the five years that he was here, uh, so many things where he had to be almost like a counselor on top of being a head coach. Uh, and I think he always was, you know, he was always the same guy through it all, but he always, every time he came to the podium after one of these things had happened and, and there was a sense in the franchise that things were headed in the wrong direction or, you know, the, the bottom was falling out, uh, except for really this season, Almost every time he came to the podium, he had this calm, reassuring manner about him. You know, he used to be a pastor. I think that came into play during that. He would get done talking, and you would have a sense of, it, it's going to be all right. There's a plan. They're going to find a way to move forward. I think that's something that, you know, the NFL, it, it's all about adversity. And I think Frank has done a really good job and, and has proven through his career. He's as good as anyone at handing, handling those moments when they come up. I think if, if there's a knock, uh, and you've heard it, I think a lot since since he left, since since he was fired. Sometimes I think he's a little too loyal to some of the players. You know, he can be he can be a player's coach to a fault in the sense that uh, if you listen to a lot of players in that locker room, even some of the assistant coaches, uh, you know, off the record, that maybe he wasn't always as willing to call out you know the, the top of the line guys, the best of the best, as you need to be probably to win in this league. So. We'll see. In your second stop, you know, is that one of the things that you learn from from your first go round and it improves you moving forward, or is that something that's just a part of his personality and, and he's always going to, you know, struggle with that area? All right, George. I'm trying to build a Frank Wright coaching staff um, out of some of the names in Indy. I want you to rank these three one to three. One being most likely to go with Frank Reich to Carolina. 
um, in no certain order, but obviously I want you to rank them. Gus Bradley, Bubba Ventrone, Reggie Wayne. Uh, I think of those three, I think Bubba is right at the top. I mean, I think those two are really close. I think that's something that, you know, Frank really brought Bubba in here to begin with. Uh, and, and they really just seemed to be tight throughout that entire run. I know there was a lot of talk that, you know, Bubba should have been the interim coach. Uh, a lot of people look at him as a future head coach, and I think he'll be really interesting going. Reggie, obviously, only came here uh, because of, of Frank Reich, and I think he has made that very clear, uh, you know, through his time here. It took, what, four years to finally convince him, uh, but I think that it, it, he would be a guy who would be very excited about rejoining Frank Reich uh, if he wants to continue coaching, I think that's the big question with Reggie. Uh, is he ready, you know, to just get on that, that boat again in Miami and, you know, put his feet up and, and maybe put on a, a gold jacket uh, and, and, you know, be done with, with the coaching element? We'll see. I think Gus, it's hard to say. They had no connection before this year, uh, but it did seem like, you know, they really clicked. Uh, and I think that it's going to be an interesting offseason around the league in terms of, I think there's, what, 10 offensive coordinator positions that were open. Um, defensive side doesn't seem to be quite as competitive, but there were five head coaching spots. So, you know, there, there's going to be a battle there as well. And I think that connection is something that, that could definitely hook up again, but I would rank them in that order. Is it possible, though, that Reggie Wayne could be talked into staying if Jeff Saturday's hired because that's a former teammate? And he is under contract, got, by the way. Yeah, it's absolutely possible. I think Reggie, you know, when last time we talked to him, he mentioned he's got one year left on his deal. He looked at this as a two-year deal. Uh, and if they want him back, he'd be glad to be back. Uh, it's just, you know, there's just so much in flux there. You know, uh, George, let me ask you this. I, one thing that I, I don't think that we've necessarily gotten into, and I, have, I, I don't know this answer, so I'm going to ask either of the two of you guys. Uh, was Reggie Wayne good? Was he a good wide receiver so. coach? Do we have any way of knowing that? It's hard to know for sure, uh, especially the way this season went. And and I'll defer to Kevin on on this one as well because uh, he was there and, and and you know knew the expectations and uh, watched all the same training camp practices that I did. Uh, but I, I felt like if if you looked at how young this receiving group was and how inexperienced they were, you know I thought Alec Pierce made some strides, Paris Campbell made some strides. Uh, probably Michael Pittman didn't have quite the numbers that, that that you would have wanted from him this year, but there was a lot that went into that. I think all in all, I thought Reggie did a good job. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think talent-wise, it's it's really bottom-bottom quartile, if I can go there. And I thought Reggie got them to be a little bit above that. And again, I think for a Hall of Fame-type talent, I think Reggie Wayne carries himself in a way that would make him a good coach. I've said this before. He is a Hall of Fame talent, and he's not blessed with Calvin Johnson's size and speed. Like he, he he had to do a lot, you know, on his own to get to be the level that he was, which I think makes him um, a good coach. George, before we let you go, let's get a, a Super Bowl pick from you. The final four will be what as a final two? You know, I'm feeling like the Bengals and the Eagles. We'll see, but I'm I'm going Cincy and Philly. I like it, George Bremer. Great stuff, man. Have a great weekend. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com 
and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Thanks a lot, guys. So allow me to ask this to you, Kevin Bowen. If you were to enjoy for Super Bowl Sunday, let's say if if during the Super Bowl you could only serve food that was indigenous to the two Super Bowl participants, which oh. two teams would you be rooting for this weekend? Well, I might have to put that on Twitter. That's a darn good question, isn't it? The pick that I have would bring a nice Philly cheesesteak, which would be great for me. Um, I love that. I do like a good taco dip while I'm watching a game. Can I call Skyline Chili a taco dip? If you'd like. I'll go there. Barbecue is a little bit too much for a game. I want I want to be a little bit more snacky, which I guess Philly cheesesteak is more of a meal. What, what am I getting in San Francisco? Clam chowder? Lobster rolls. I was going to say napa well, wine. Sourdough bread, a sourdough, sourdough bold clam chowder, right? Maybe some wine from Gar- Napa. Ghirardelli chocolates. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good question. Where would you be going? The Philly steak and cheese are pretty good. And by the way, Hoagies and Hops at 47th and Boulevard has, I mean, it's completely decked out. It's it's like walking into Philadelphia. Yeah, it's got a great really spot. Good food. Um, so I would probably take the Philadelphia steak and cheese over the clam chowder, although... The clam chowder is pretty good. I would definitely take Kansas City barbecue over Skyline Chili. Oh, without question. Always nervous what's in the Skyline Chili. Brown sugar. Even more reason to pass it by, Kev. Yeah. All right, what favorite is the exact outcome for the Super Bowl? Two outcomes are the exact favorite. So I need the teams and the result of the Super Bowl. You have two different outcomes that are the favorite right now in Vegas. Okay. So teams and then who will win between those two teams in the Super Bowl. I will say the the odds right now. We got two atop the list and two at the bottom. So we'll, let's start at the top, the favorite. So the favorite, the matchup and the winner? Correct. Cincinnati and Philadelphia with Cincinnati winning. And the other one? The other, I'm saying this is the least? No, there's there, there's co-favorites. So there's okay. two atop the list. You said Bengals um, over Eagles, and the other one is? Chiefs over Eagles. Boom. And at the bottom? I guess you'd probably just... Reverse it a bit. Yeah. Niners. The bottom would be Niners over yeah, Chiefs. Niners. Well, yeah. Niners over Bengals. Niners yeah. over Chiefs. It, what what you get at in this, because the odds are not very big, that this is, and I've mentioned all week long, this is the closely predicted AFC-NFC championship games we've had in years. Decades. So after what we had to witness during the divisional round, which I thought was not a lot of entertainment, I hope it lives up to it this weekend. I think it should be two really good games, don't you? Yeah, I mean, again, the hottest teams. I mentioned that ESPN stat earlier in the week. 
since November. Burrow is 10 and 0 as a quarterback. Brock Purdy is 7 and 0. Mahomes is 10 and 1, and Jalen Hurts is 8 and 1. And Mahomes has lost us to Burrow. I just think that the Cincinnati streak against Kansas City is what, like where Kansas City Steve should be feeling some relief. Because That's my teams, one worry about two picking teams Cincinnati. that good. Yeah, I mean, what are the odds, right? And I do feel like, and I don't know, we'll, we'll find out on Sunday. I do feel like Mahomes looks a little bit better than I thought he would look at this point. Based on that ankle. I mean, they give him a cortisone shot and he goes out, right? And then he's got two weeks to, to heal. Still, I mean, if he's if he's 78% instead of 98%, that one play can be the difference. Yeah, you're right. But Such a closely compacted Mahomes game. Mahomes at 78 You know... But they need him MVP, Mahomes. They, they do, but at the same time, it, in a as we saw against Buffalo, or excuse me, against... Um, who did they just beat? Uh, oh. Jacksonville, Jacksonville. Sorry, oh, they meant Cincy. In a spell moment for a drive or two, Henny's not terrible. I mean, he's not going to win a game for you in the whole game. I get it. But, but if Mahomes needs to go and get retaped or something, it's not like it's a disaster. But know. it's more like keeping a play alive on a third down. I get it. Can you get that half second that makes him so dangerous? Oh, Rice-A-Roni. How did we forget Rice-A-Roni, Mark? San Francisco treat. We're dummies. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if you know this or not, but they're thinking about moving that down to the Miami I heard market. That. I heard that. Healy's been talking to them the whole time. Healy. <laughs> he was down in Miami talking to the Rice-A-Roni folks, right? I've had rice. Uh, we had some rice and broccoli the other night. It was great. Yeah, you can never go wrong with rice and broccoli, right? Nice little side. You know, every time I go to that Panda Express, they're out of rice. Oh, that's unacceptable. <laughs> it seems weird, doesn't it? Do you guys see they came out with the um, all-pro list for 2022 season? You had two players, unanimous all-pro. Can you guys name the two? From this season that just completed. Uh-huh. Boy, unanimous. Um I'll give each of you a guess. I mean, this obviously meaning the best at their position regardless of conference, right? Correct. Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is Mark's guess. Jake? You know, I don't know what kind of year this guy had, and he might have been out for the year, and I'm going to sound like an idiot, but I'm going to go with Justin Tucker. Justin Jefferson and Travis Kelsey. I, Kelsey was, darn it! But then I thought about George Kittle, and I'm like, I don't know. Suck on that all week. <laughs> Gee, well, that's quite the way to end Excuse a Friday me? here. Excuse me? Thanks, Jerry Jones. I swear I was about to say Travis Kelsey. Mahomes got 49 of 50 votes. Obviously, Quentin Nelson did not get an all-pro. Um, he had had four straight of those three on the first team one on the second team what what so. do you think happened with quentin nelson uh, i think some injuries caught up to him or do you think they're injuries that are temporary injuries or do you think they are debilitating injuries i, I don't think i think debilitating is a little bit in other extreme. words but are they injuries that could that have caused him to hit a ceiling i think he can still get back to that level but I think having the three surgeries that he had in about a nine or ten month span the prior off season, I just think that caught up 
a little bit to him. So I don't know if there's you know some sort of cleanup that's necessary, but the regression on the offensive line, all five of them had it, and he had it as well. And again, you're paying him way too much money for that to be the norm. I think you're paying him way too much money even if it was the norm. Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. You know what I mean? It's a good point. All right, should we get, make our picks? Yep. Sure. You begin. Eagles 49ers, 3 o'clock on Sunday. Eagles favored by 2.5 over under. Last I saw was 46. Uh, did you guys realize Brock Purdy and Jalen Hurts played in college against each other? I have seen that floating yes. around. Six total touchdowns in the game by Brock Purdy. Five total touchdowns by Jalen Hurts in the game. Oklahoma won 42-41, so I hope it's a thriller. I'm going Eagles 23-20. I think um, they can create some rookie moments from Purdy. I think that pass rush that has a lot can handle it. I'm a little worried that Christian McCaffrey and Elijah Mitchell, the two running backs for San Francisco, they have yet to practice this week. I mean, it sounds like they're going to play, but if that San Francisco run game is limited in any way, I feel better about my pick, but I will go with the Eagles by three. Um, I think San Francisco actually... Uh, I'm a fool for underselling Philadelphia because they've been consistently the best team all season long. But I just like the weapons and the defense of San Francisco. I'm going to say the Niners win by four over Philly. Brock Purdy and the 49ers offensive line had some trouble with the Cowboys defense pass rush. Uh, Eagles defense far better have a lot led the league in sacks uh i think that's going to give them even more trouble i've got the eagles winning 27 to 20 all right to the afc title 630 from arrowhead chiefs and Bengals. let's go in reverse order mark dykton will lead us off chiefs favored by one and one to one and a half is what i've seen kansas city steve not going to be too pleased with me uh i know that you know the joe burrow record you feel like that's got to fall off at some point but i also think the Bengals are kind of in like they're not afraid of the Chiefs. There's this kind of stigma. You know, like you go to Kansas City and Arrowhead. Burrowhead is what they're calling Yeah, it. yeah. So I think Joe Burrow is riding high. He's really good. I got the Bengals taking on the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Give me the Bengals 31 and the Chiefs 28. Uh, I'm going to Lawrence, Kansas, I think a month from right now to go see Kansas and West Virginia at Allen Fieldhouse. And I don't know if I will be passing through a Super Bowl championship city, but I think I'll be passing through a Super Bowl participant city. Ooh. Because I'll be passing Arrowhead on I-70, and I'll be seeing the location where the Chiefs won the AFC title. Kansas City by seven over Cincinnati. Mark looks like you and I align. Bengals 27, Chiefs 23. I just think Joe Burrow's presence, the depth of Cincinnati's skill group. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see Cincinnati get back. And their defense has really impressed me. Cincinnati has not lost a road game in November or beyond in each of the last two seasons. Joe Burrow says their window for winning is his entire career, and boy, it sure looks like it. He's confident. He's cocky. He ain't wrong either. Uh Big thing for the Colts head coaching search today. Will Jim Irsay be open-minded in front of Raheem Morris? I hope. Raheem Morris gets a chance. Second interview. Will Jim Irsay be open-minded to probably the candidate outside of the coaches we'll see on Sunday? The guy I've wanted the whole time, Raheem Morris. That I think is most likely to be the Colts head coach. Everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday.